Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. Anna Vocino is back in the house today. We're going to have a lot of fun as we talk about giving what you don't have. And now that I have you intrigued, I want to do, I'm going to switch things up a little bit. I'm going to do my iTunes shout outs now. So iTunes shout out to Tom Morks and also to Death Ray XYZ. Thanks so much for taking the time to do an iTunes review. And I'm inviting you right now to hit pause on this show, but I do want you to come back, but hit pause, go to the show notes and click on the link and do an iTunes review or go to your iPhone and make a review about this show. It helps the show plus... It's also just fun to read. And yes, I do read them. And then if you want to be up on my website, I'm taking collections of people who have submitted an iTunes review or have a shout out about the show and they want to be featured on my show. Email it to me along with your photo and I'm going to take um, some of the selections and put them on my new website as it gets launched. All right. So now we can return back to the show. Anna Vocino, my friend, she's soon going to be having her book come out. Woohoo. We've been waiting for a number of years, but she's coming. Voiceover actress, the voice of must-see TV on Thursday night. It's always fun when I hear her voice. Do you hear it? We're going to be talking about giving what you don't have. Stay tuned and enjoy the conversation. And I will circle back afterwards because believe me, I have a lot more to say. And there was some silliness, but of course, it's Anna here. Thanks so much for listening. Anna Vocino, hello and welcome back. Yay, I get invited back. Always. I must be a good party guest because you, you asked back. <laughs> You're fun to have and the listeners like it. So and you must enjoy it because you keep coming back. I know, exactly. We always have a good time. We do have a good time. And today it's going to be an interesting experience because yeah. we'll see where we go. But we're going to talk about giving what you don't have. Yeah, yeah. And as women, <laughs> that just you just say the title, and we're both like, <sighs> "Yep." <laughs> you mean just giving is yep. what it should be called? Well, because so often we give and we don't have it in ourselves. But I don't know how you find. Here's the thing: I want to address something. I'm going to say something that's going to be unpopular. Say it. I've noticed there is a trend right now in all of like the self-helpy stuff that I subscribe to and all the e-blasts that I get from people. And I like these thought leaders. I really do. That's why I subscribe to them. But I've noticed there's a trend of, one, how to cut the people out of your life who drain you, okay? Mm-hmm. Two, how to say no. And, you know, and three, basically, how not to give until you deplete yourself. Mm-hmm. But, and this is where it gets unpopular. Like those are all great things in theory, but where it gets unpopular is that like, those are three things that are a part of living life. And I'm not saying not to have boundaries or not to recognize those boundaries within yourself, but I'm also like, you can't just cut people out of your life. You can't, you have to figure out how to deal with people. That's why we are in relationships on this physical earth. You know what I mean? Like, we're not just like, no, I'm going to cut because then where do you stop? You become a hermit. (laughs) 
You know what I mean? You have to deal with people. Do you have to deal with them the same way you have been by freaking out and sending angry emails or mad texts? No. There's probably a a healthier way to deal with it, but it's like how to cut people. There's this whole thing about how like, I'm going to draw such a boundary that nothing's going to hit that. Everything's just going to bounce off my boundary raincoat and never get me wet. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. That's like the, remember the Berlin Wall? That's what that's like. Exactly. But that's not how boundaries are really. They're fence posts and you can open the gate. Sometimes people knock down the fence. Right. You know, and then you go back and you have to. Sometimes put a your big cow tramples on the fence and you have to repair it. But no, that's a really good point because, you know, this idea of cutting people out, it may not be realistic, especially when they're the people that you live with. Exactly. <laughs> they're your family members or they're, you know, or whatever. Like, there's a reason why you chose to marry that person and you don't necessarily have to cut them out. Maybe you guys have to figure something else out. Mm-hmm. And maybe you'd be surprised to find that it's your boundaries <laughs> that are inciting this pattern of behavior that you don't like, that you feel like you have to escape from. So do share your story. Well, I bring that up. <laughs> wow, that just did segue into a thing. No, here's the thing, because you asked me before we went on, you're like, is this going to just be the husband bashing show? <laughs> and I was like, no, maybe. <laughs> um, no, Wait, no, no. So hold on. He has a yes. more powerful medium to come back at us. So <laughs> much more powerful medium. And, uh, and he does stand up now too. Oh, so he, and what I want to do is do a show where we have like a, he said, she said <laughs> thing, because I, you know, in one week he can start, but then the next, cause I want to address, I want to address some things <laughs> that he brings up in his stand up. Oh, wait, I'm going to cough. Hold on. I'm going to mute. All right, I'm back. So I've been ill over the past two and a half, three weeks. And it's been the kind of illness that's kind of knocked me on my butt. Um, I wound up having a session with the medical medium. Have you heard of this guy? No. Oh, boy. Put the, go ahead and put the link in the show notes right now. Okay. It's a, it's, it's a book that I stumbled into on Amazon called The Medical Medium. It's a guy named Anthony William. And uh, since you've had all sorts of woo-woo people on your show, it's not going to be like, I'm not going to be pushing any boundaries here by telling him, telling everybody what he does. So, but what I like is that he gave me some certain diagnoses and then I went and had diagnoses. That's a word now. Uh, I went and had them medically tested and he was right. Um, so he has a book called The Medical Medium, which is kind of mind blowing. He says some pretty crazy things. Uh, anyway, he was, he has a gift uh, of, I guess an angel came to him and now is a voice in his head and he can't help but do a read on everybody that he comes into contact with. Like if he flies on an airplane, he has to read everybody on the plane. Okay. Um, so he says one, one sort of incendiary thing that he says that I, that made me, you know, form a new wrinkle in my brain was, uh, he says there is no such thing as autoimmune. He says the body would never attack itself. He says the body is attacking a pathogen that is buried deep within whatever organ system the body's attacking. So with celiac, which is what I have, the body's attacking a pathogen in the gut. With Hashimoto's, it's attacking a pathogen in the thyroid. With MS, it's attacking a pathogen that's living at the end of the myelin fibers, the end of your nerve endings. You know, so he, he, and he has chapters on all these different things. And then he has some pretty crazy protocols at the end. And I say crazy because 
with with how popular uh, paleo is right now, this is kind of the opposite, which is just eat fruits and vegetables for a certain amount of time, because he says that the animal fat, uh, the animal protein feeds the viruses. And he also says most people who are suffering from these things have either Epstein Barr, a form of the shingles virus, the cytomegalovirus, things like that. Anyway, so I wound up signing up for his lottery because he has a wait list of 25,000 people. If you go on his website, I wound up winning his lottery. I'm the luckiest person and I get a session with him. And, uh, by the way, I'm sa- I haven't even said this all on my own podcast yet. So I am, uh, I'm coming out of the closet. No, I have told people on Periscope that I did this protocol, which is a very strict vegan, pro- no, no processed foods, just fruits, vegetables, a little bit of nuts and a little bit of oil for three weeks and then a bunch of supplementation. And the idea was for me, oh, and also starting every morning with 16 ounces of just pure celery juice. Ooh. So yeah. Yeah. And it was weird. I would drink it and I'd be like, that feels like I haven't had a beer in 15, 20 years, but that it felt like I had just drank a beer. Like it was like, bleh, like it was like ugh, heavy and hoppy and weird. Um, so he says in my thyroid lives the Epstein-Barr virus. In my gut is strep and the strep is what's causing the celiac. Okay. Whether or not it's causing the celiac, I don't know. But I went back to some stool test results that I got from a year ago, and I am like so far into the red of the standard, like far beyond the standard deviation of the normal amount of strep in one's gut, because we all have a little bit of something in our gut, you know? Wait, what's strep in the gut? Fill me in. Like like when you get strep throat? Uh Uh-huh. And you have it in the gut? Yes. So the diagnosis that I got after getting my stool test was dysbiosis, which is just a fancy way of saying an imbalance of the gut bacteria, meaning I have too much bad bacteria and not enough good bacteria. Uh So I've been trying to troubleshoot my diet to get it to that point and then also taking some probiotics. And it still hasn't quite gotten back into balance. So looking more specifically, and I didn't even think to look at the more specific results, the thing that I have in the gut is strep. So he was right. Uh, the other thing was that he was talking about, I talked, I told him in advance the cyst on my ovary and he goes, cause I am concerned about this big one. And then he goes, well, you know, you have another cyst on the other ovary, which I knew, but I didn't tell him that. Mm-hmm. And it's also quite large, but not as big as the other one. So the big one gets all the love, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then, so, so anyway, so I'm doing the protocol and uh, I go for blood tests, uh, virus antigen tests because there's going to be antigens in your blood if you're actively fighting a virus, right? And I test before I start, no antigens in my blood for Epstein-Barr. And then I test two and a half weeks into it, strong antigens in my blood for Epstein-Barr. And sure enough, I got super duper sick and I'm just hoping that it's rooting this, whatever it is, out. What is Epstein-Barr? Uh, Epstein-Barr is a a virus that, according to the National Institutes of Health website, 95% of the population has it, Um, but it's latent in a lot of people. Uh, It can be activated through catching, uh, it's the same thing as mono. That's the Epstein-Barr virus. It's at the root of a lot of viral, like chronic viral infections, people with chronic fatigue. Um, They're now finding it's kind of at the root of fibromyalgia, RA. Of the thing, they're finding the Epstein-Barr virus has set off a lot of stuff with people. And it's different depending on where you're, you happen to be biochemically weak. With me, it's my gut and my thyroid. Mm-hmm. So 
it's uh, it's been a very interesting experience. Also, I haven't been really sick in a long time. So I was like, hmm, was it better when the Epstein bar just <laughs> lived in my thyroid and hung out there? Cause I felt a lot better. Like, was this worth it? I don't know yet. I'm I'm still not recovered. I'm still feeling like crap, but much better than I was. But I noticed that my husband says, this is where we bring it back around to giving too much. Okay. So I need to still podcast. I need to still do voiceover. I need to still do these jobs. These are my jobs. As long as I can physically do them, I will do them. And I don't want my clients to know I'm sick. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're telling them all here, (laughs) except I'm telling them all here. Hopefully, uh, I'm not going to forward this link to any of them. (laughs) Nobody's figured it out yet. I, I, here's the thing I've noticed too, because other voice talents will tell me that I can't, I can't audition for that thing because my voice sounds bad. I was like, you know what? Just read on it. I bet you dollars to donuts. You sound fine. Like I probably sound a little hoarse, a little raspy, but you probably wouldn't know unless I told you. Mm-hmm. You'd probably just be like, oh, she sounds nasal, which I sound most of the time anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was one day so sick and, my, and I told my husband about five years ago, we had what I call whole house influenza B. Uh-huh. Uh, we all just systematically got, gave each other influenza B. And it was so awful. It was really almost painful to get out of bed and no one could let the dog out. And I was doing that thing where I was like, I haven't felt this bad since we had the influenza B. And he, my husband goes, oh, if you were really sick, you wouldn't be able to get out of bed. <laughs> and I was like, no, that's if you're really sick. <laughs> but it's my fault because I've created a world where I still have to get out of bed even when I'm really sick. That's my, that's on me. That's, those are my boundaries that I've not established well. Wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's break that down. You've created a world where you have to, or I feel like I have to, where you make yourself. Like you don't, you don't allow yourself to be in bed. Yes. I don't allow myself to be in bed. And also I guess there's a part of me that thinks, well, how is all this stuff going to get done that I usually do? because they're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Meaning my husband and my daughter, what are they going to do? But that's, but I realize like, I can't blame them and be like, Oh my God, if they only knew, Oh, they're so spoiled. Like I can't put that on them. That's on me. Mm-hmm. I've created monsters. <laughs> I'm Dr. Frankenstein. They live a good life. They live a good life. I live a good life. We all live a good life. But yeah, so I can't be like, although I will use it for my stand-up and I'll probably be a lot more husband (laughs) bash-y in that. But no, you're right. I'm the one who's decided I can't get out of, I I have to get out of bed because all this stuff has got to get done. I'm the one who's chosen to not let my clients know that I'm ill because I'm scared that they'll find somebody else. (laughs) Yeah, but I think that's the important key is, you know, we create, I think, especially as women, we create these worlds mm-hmm. where we don't give ourselves the breaks and we're like, no, I must do this. Otherwise, everything will fall apart. Part of that's because I'm a, I'm a control freak or recovering control freak. Sure. Yeah. Totally. And, but it, but when we realize that we, it's something that we choose to believe and then we act on it, we will will ourselves at the expense of our own health to do that. Yeah. So can we really be mad at our husbands? No, no, that's what I'm saying. And that's what I'm also saying about like those things that are like, 
how to say no, how to cut people out. It's like, to me, it's all very flu. It's all like trying to blame that other person for infringing upon us Mm -hmm. when I'm the one who set the construct up that way. Mm -hmm. Well, but but the cutting people out, again, that's very black and white. We've talked about that, whether it's in food or anything, it's very black and white and it's in that space in between. And that's where boundaries get really hard because it's easy to put the Berlin wall up or not have it, right? But that area in between, it's kind of gray and there's different shades of gray. And so where where is it? And then if you have a voice in the back of your head, which I'm not going to say the total word because, you know, we need to beep it out. But, you know, that <laughs> I don't want to be a B, right? And I right. don't want and I don't want to be too much. Right. And so then we don't ask for what we want or what we need. And we try to push through it instead of like if we just said, OK, I'm not doing well right now. This is all on you guys. And also, you know, again, going back to me, letting go of how it gets done. (laughs) Letting go of how it gets done. And if it doesn't get done, what happens? Nothing. Don't worry about it. (laughs) You can order a pizza. (laughs) I find it so fascinating how, you know, people will commit. This just happened this morning. (laughs) So I was in D.C. and I came home and my Mother's Day, my daughter actually was amazing that she didn't stay at home, but uh, that day she was home and she had made uh, muffins, gluten-free muffins for me. And, and and she has this nice cake dish from William Sonoma that some friends years ago were like, Corinne, buy your daughter because she liked to bake. And so I got her this. And so, she, you know, it's the muffins and stuff. And, and, and the kitchen was clean. Like that is one of my biggest Ooh. pet peeves when I come home and the kitchen yeah. is just a mess. And I'm like, seriously, yeah. people. Right. But the kitchen is clean. And so that was like my Mother's Day gift and stuff. And so we all ate. Well, then this cake dish had been sitting there all week and it's glass, right? It's the plate with that glass top. Right. Right. And so I've been sitting Pretty. there all week. And, and, and then I was, I left cause I've been traveling a lot. I was in San Diego and I said, well, somebody going to wash it. And my daughter's like, well, mom, I, I thought you were going to wash it. I'm like, wait, this is mother's day. <laughs> <laughs> there she's like, mother's day is over. <laughs> and she goes, well, you know, I could break it. So I'm not good at washing it. No, my daughter's oh, very my capable. God. She's 16. Right? right. So my husband goes, well, I'll, I'll just wash it. I'm like, okay. So I go to San Diego, come back. It's still there, not washed. Then I left. I went to Houston. I just got back on Wednesday. It's still there. Guess who was washing the dishes <laughs> this morning? Wow. <laughs> Me, because otherwise it wasn't going to get done. <laughs> right. You tried you try to do the standoff and it didn't work. It didn't work. You even, you even <laughs> left and went to another city. <laughs> Many cities and it never worked. <laughs> wow. So I just instead Yeah, you I, lost that one. <laughs> instead of being <laughs> resentful, which I used to be, right? Yeah. I just laugh and I find it very fascinating that they're totally fine. I mean, it's quite big to be sitting in the corner of our counter. And granted, we have a lot of counter space, but that's that can be just one amongst many things that can be, you know, added to the counter space and eventually then there's no counter space. Right. So I do find it fascinating, but I have a similar story. Um, like that my husband did. That's why the husband bashing. So when you're telling me your story before we went on air, my husband, this was years ago. So my baby, my youngest, who's 14, she was six weeks old. I was back at work and my husband was, I don't know, on some massive road trip with his team down in LA. It's like a thousand mile road trip. And so I was not only do I have both the children at home and I'm working that weekend, I'm running a swim meet with, I don't Mm -hmm. know, say 600 swimmers and I'm the meet director and I have these two kids. So I have a two-year-old and a, not even a two-year-old and a six-week-old with that I'm taking care of and running this meet. So my husband eventually comes home 
And I'm just sick one night and I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God, I got out of bed. I was like, I have this sharp shooting pain. What's going on? I feel like I'm going to throw up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, I thought you were tough. You went through childbirth. <laughs> oh, wow. It's, and you know what it is? It's just a misunder. It's like a misunderstanding. Like they just don't understand. Uh, I, I looked at him and he, and then eventually I threw up. And so then he's like, Oh, I guess, I guess she's just oh. faking it. Right. I guess she's, I guess she's not as tough as I thought she was. <laughs> and then like two months later, I mean, I was in the doctor's office on Monday because I called the birthing center because I was worried that I had food poisoning. And they said, well, I think it's actually your gallbladder. That sounds like gallstones. Ooh. Yeah. So I got a little bit of credibility. And uh-huh. then and then I went to the doctor on Monday and she's like, oh, yeah, you need to get that thing out. And then I got a little bit of sympathy, not empathy, but sympathy. Did but you get it out? It did come out, which I don't know if now knowing what I know, I would have done that. Yeah. But this was 2002. So, Yeah. But um, it was, you know, it was quite interesting because that even goes back to him. You know, you can't give what you don't have. And if you don't have the, you know, compassion or empathy and you believe that you believe you should tough it out, then you're going to believe other people should tough it out. Right. Like that's true. So if you don't have it within you, you can't give it to other people. Well, and we're all kind of filtering the world through our beliefs and constructs, you know. So he's thinking, well, you went through childbirth so surely a little sickness isn't going to bother you (laughs) and you're thinking i get up and get out of bed and deal with stuff why can't he (laughs) you know and it's funny how we we do that and it it takes a little bit to retrain people but they'll get it well and and with your husband you're not married to a sociopath but you know i don't think we are i think we're okay and with your husband he may be like, well, why would you work that hard when you're not feeling well? Because I wouldn't work that hard when I'm not feeling no, well. No, he would not get out of bed. In fact, he wouldn't even wait. He lo- he's like a lump in the bed for like 48 hours. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Are you bored? <laughs> like, there's a part of me that just is bored. I don't want to sit in bed that long. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sit in bed and be just, it's just me with my sick. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to change about the situation? Well, it's interesting because the thing, the reason why I've been listening and paying attention to these, you know, how to cut people out, mm-hmm. how to say no and mean it, mm-hmm. how to, you know, all that stuff is because I do, I do feel like me personally, I overextend my schedule. Mm-hmm. I will, especially uh, socially, because I love being social and I love hanging out with people and my friends. And so I will overextend myself and have something every night of the week when I don't want to. And when it really impedes on stuff is when I'll say, when a girlfriend of mine I haven't seen in a while is like, let's hike or let's get coffee. And I'll take stuff away from, not away, but I'll shift stuff around in my work schedule to make it happen. And then I'm like, I wish I had just focused on work. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with her, but I don't want to see her <laughs> right now. I want to get my work done, but I'm worried about hurting people's feelings or I haven't seen her in a while. So I should see her. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I'm interested in that stuff. So how to change it? I think I'm, I think I'm going to have to just, just flat out say, no, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And see what happens. What comes up for you when you think that? Um, folks will get mad. And then I have to go, you know what? Who cares? Mm-hmm. But what, I mean, so folks get mad. 
versus you don't get your work done or you don't have breathing space. Well, if somebody is saying to me, you're not there for me, Mm -hmm. I mean, gosh, isn't that tricky? Because we all want to be there for everybody, but but it's it is at the expense sometimes of us being there for ourselves. Well, again, you can't give away what you don't have. Exactly. Right. So if you're not Full there for circle. yourself, yes. If you're not there for yourself, how can you be there for other people? So you're not there for me is a great shame inducer to yeah. get you to do what I want you to do. I used to yes. be a master of that. Let me you know talk what? talk about that goes right along with being controlling. Yep. Because if you can activate someone's shame, you got them. That's why we use shame. Yeah, shame's a great motivator for me. Yep. That's why I loved, you know, with working with my clients on this stuff about shame, because it's about you being the boss of you and doing not like not this badass to hell with you, cut you out, right? Right, right. But really about going in and checking in with you, what works for you? Can you show up? Because the other thing, because I was really good at getting people to do what I wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. Which would make sense when you're a control freak. Right. And my 20s and stuff is really good. But the other side is the energy that somebody brings when they're obligated is, yeah. not, is not very fun. Ooh, and, then yeah. it, and then I'm graspy because I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to leave. So what else can I do to entice them? So then it just makes you more of an approval whore. Right. Which, so it's a really interesting dynamic that goes on, you know, because then you're like, okay, if I can just titillate them in this way, then they'll stay right. longer. Instead right. of, you know, to, if it's an, inv- like I always say, it's an invitation, it's not an obligation. Mm. Right. So I hope with you coming on my show, it's an invitation, never an obligation. Oh, no, we always have fun. So this is always fun. Plus, we don't even do it often enough for it to be a thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> that I'm like, yay, we get to hang out. But but it's you know what I where I find the obligation thing comes in is whenever it's my birthday. I feel obligated. Like I'm like, hey, do you, you know, let's go to dinner for my birthday. Like you have to go out for my birthday. And I don't like that. You mean your birthday or like your friend's I, birthday? No, I don't care about anybody. I, I'll always I'll go out for other people's birthday, but I feel like I'm obligating people to come out, and I don't like that feeling. Why are you feeling you're obligating people to come out? Do you tell them they have to come? <laughs> That's a good point. I guess I don't. You have to come to my birthday. It's my birthday, and you have to come out to dinner. Because it's my. I'm gonna wear a crown. <laughs> and get my own gluten-free cake. <laughs> One of the things, because I talk a lot about, so with boundaries, right? I, I, I talk about you need to build a container for the boundaries. And so... One of them that I do is because I don't want to be that control freak is the container I will build when I send an invitation out is this is an invitation. It's not an obligation. We'd love to have you if this fits your schedule. Because again, like I don't want people to show up and a lot of people have a hard time saying no, right? Yeah. I don't want people to show up who are like, oh, I have to be here and I don't want to be here and Corinne's making me. You know, it's so interesting that you say that. So I don't know. I guess four years ago, I was inducted in the Hall of Fame for UC Davis. And, nice. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was, it was one of those things where um, I really thought about who, who did I want to be there, right? right. And, and so, I, you know, I only invited a couple of friends. And the storm of anger that I got from people who later found out, because even I was, 
I was at an event earlier in the day and I had to leave and people were like, where'd you go? And then they found out that I was getting inducted and then how come you didn't invite us? And we would have wanted to be gone. We want to bring our kids, right? Wow. Yeah. And yeah. so the, because I didn't want anyone to feel obligated and have to pay all this money to go to this dinner. You know, right. It's not very good, right? Because that's banquet type food. But <laughs> I also never gave people the opportunity right. to make a decision for themselves. I made it for them. Ooh, mm-hmm. look at you. Yes. And so, again, that was where my control freak stepped in. Instead of like, here's an invitation. If you'd love to come, that would be great. I mean, I wouldn't even send the invitation. It would come from the university. But I think we get so stuck because I don't want to ob- oblige people. Yeah. But the other well, side, people's lives are busy. I know, but if they're it's, the boss you're, of- you're not wrong to assume that people are busy, but you're right that you should just at least throw it out there. Yeah, and let them, like, have confidence in them that they're going to know. And then it's really their business, right? Yeah. As Byron Katie would say, it's their business if they come and they're obligated and I'm not obligating right. them. Because that's not my intention. That's not the intention. I mean, I guess that's the other thing is, is that, you know, there's a, um, oh gosh, I'm going to totally mess this up right now. There's, I think he's a quantum physics. I don't know. I'll have to look. Uh, there's a professor. At, I've heard this before. Martha's told me about it, Martha Beck. But, oh, um, I love her. There's a professor at UC Santa Cruz. And he will say that when two people have connected, they're always connected, right? Right. And so you can send like intentional thoughts. So like one of the things, and again, this is woo. And so for those of you that are struggling with this, um, in the wrap up, I will have the person's name because I can't remember it right now. And, you know, the department that he's at at UC Santa Cruz, um, because I do like research driven stuff to support it. But oh, he did research he to did support research. it. Yeah, no, and Ooh. he's a scientist. He's not just, you know, That's somebody cool. who's sitting on top of a mountain. So, um, and that might offend people, but I'm not trying to offend people. But anyways, um, is one is to send the intention, like when you send the invitation. So like for you, for your birthday, to send the intention, like you are invited and you're not obligated. If Ooh. This, right? Like behind it. So it's not even in words because if his theory is correct, right? And you can test it out. If his theory is correct, we can we can communicate with each other in that way. That's what I've heard too, that you could write the letter to the person and not even send it and it the message gets there. Mm-hmm. It's crazy because I mean, I, there have been times I've been thinking of somebody like, oh, I need to con- check in with them because I don't know what's happening, you know, something. And then all of a sudden I'll get a text from the person. I was like, oh, that's so beautiful. I didn't even have to do anything about that. That's so amazing. And you send it Or if there's a subsequently, I've been experimenting with this and it really works. If there's something on your calendar that you're kind of dreading <laughs> and, and you go, you know what? This is going to have to work itself out. And you really release it, it goes away. It's so weird. It does go away, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I know that you weren't consciously trying to create this to go away because here we are. <laughs> There's no, no exactly. Messages. We're here. There's a reason that we're here. That's a good thing. That is a good thing. But yeah, so, you know, putting that intention out there, because then then it's like letting them be the boss of themselves. Yeah. And then they can make a decision. That's so true. I love that. Yeah. Um, all right, good. Well, we solved all the problems. <laughs> But going back to that, you know, the ideas that, you know, like what's been in your inbox of cutting people out and there may be toxic people, but the other side, I mean, in your and my world, there's people that are toxic that we do work with. There are people like if you're working in corporate America, there are toxic people. So this idea that, you know, um, you don't have to is unrealistic. I mean, I run a youth swim team 
And, you know, I'm very blessed. We've got a really great, you know, uh, community of people, but sometimes people aren't very responsible with the energy they bring into the space, as you know, sure. Joe Bolte Taylor would say. And so for me, it's about how can I take care of myself while this person may be coming at me? Right. And that's the key. And so like, and, and I, I fail at this quite often, you know, cause I can get so rattled with somebody else's energy, but you know, I remember I, and I don't know if I've talked about this with you, but I'd come back, I was at this event and feeling really good and really, you know, open and take it. I took down a lot of the armor and then I was on the pool deck coaching my kids at the small site and it was really wonderful. And, um, all of a sudden this parent came in and they were, there was a whole bunch of stuff going on. Right. And they, they weren't mad at me, but just in their life, there was a whole bunch. And I was uh, open and vulnerable. And right. Then, and I just talked to the parent and then I left and I was driving around town. I'm like, ooh, I feel really bad. What happened? Like, I was really happy today. What's going on? And I was trying to unpack it. And then I was talking to a colleague later and she does Equus coaching and she's been on the show before. But oh, cool. So where you learn about your energy and how that. Yeah. You know, and she's, she said, Corinne, go stand on the lawn. She said, get yourself grounded. Right. And then one of the, yeah, so good. So good. Like connect with nature. And then she said, you know, one of the things that she imagines is when she sees people coming is she'll put up a wall of water so you can see them, but then their energy is not coming towards you. So, you know, going back to what you said earlier about people saying, cut them out of your life, it may not be realistic. You may have a toxic boss. You know, you may be going to school. You may have a client who, you know, financially, it may, it may not be something right now where you can cut them off and fire them, right? These are the realities that we all go through. So then it's about how can you take care of yourself so that you can move through that situation? Does that make sense? Totally. And I was just thinking, and from a karmic universal lesson standpoint, aren't those people put into our experience so we can learn more about how we want to live our lives and the type of people we want to be? So if that somebody feels toxic, if that boss feels toxic and brings up these emotions in you, that something's going on. There's a belief that they're bringing out in you Mm -hmm. that maybe needs to be addressed that doesn't serve you. Mm -hmm. Because again, if we were all just happy clappy all the time, it wouldn't, (laughs) you know what I mean? It would just... It wouldn't work. That's not why we're here. Yeah. Well, and this this like pursuit of like, you know, the pursuit of happiness or, you know, even the promised land, like, oh, I need to be in the promised land, right? That gives us, as Byron Katie once again would say, so much pain and suffering because when it's not happening the way we think it should, right, it creates pain and suffering. In and us. that's the, the attachment to the outcome from mm-hmm. it. Yep. We yeah. want the outcome to look a certain way and feel a certain way. And then when it doesn't, which it, by the way, it never does. Mm-hmm. It never does. Is there anything, look back on your life and is there anything where you're like, oh, that turned out exactly how I thought it would and felt just like I thought it would? <laughs> you know what I mean? Nothing. There well, isn't anything. <laughs> I thought I was going to have boys because I knew how to raise boys better than girls. <laughs> and I got two girls. There you go. Like, even when you're like, okay, I actually did achieve that thing that I said I was going to achieve. Did it feel like what you thought it would feel like? No. Mm-hmm. Did it feel better than what you thought it would feel It could like? feel better. I'm not saying it feels bad. I'm just saying like, yeah, it could. It's just different. You think you're going to have this outcome of a feeling once this manifestation happens. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and that goes back to what we've talked about before, right? That transactional relationship. We think we do this and then we're going to get out this. Right. And you may do this, but you never know where the other side's going to come from. It could be that you're going to do that job. You think it's to forward your career, but it's actually to work out some wonky beliefs that you have with a toxic person. And it could be, you were like, oh my gosh, you know what? I did that same drama with my mom mm-hmm. and with my best friend in high school and with my best friend. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you work it out with the boss and you're like, oh, okay. So that actually was a career move that helped me so much on a larger level interpersonally. Mm-hmm. You don't know. We don't know. We don't know anything. <laughs> well, and th- Wait, But that's all I'm saying when I'm reacting to like, they're like, cut the people out. Say no. Have, you know what I mean? I'm like, it's, it's. We're doing this, we're doing this for a reason, but I know where it's coming. It's coming from a place of everybody being really overwhelmed these days mm-hmm. with our full access of everyone. Really, how did we do it? What did we do back then when somebody was 15 minutes late? <laughs> we sat there and waited. We sat there and waited. <laughs> we didn't have a phone to entertain us. Like, and we didn't have a phone to go, oh my God, like I'll send a text if I'm going to be like 30 seconds late. Oh my God, I'm going to be late. So like, what? Yeah, we're, we're, I mean, well, there's just also not that much white space in our lives and everybody's hustling for their worthiness and running, running, running. Right. And so, and we're so busy in, you know, I mean, think about it, like how often when people are standing in the grocery line. Oh, I'm standing in line. Might as well look at my phone. Totally. It's so hard to be present. And I and I am not saying that I'm better than anyone else out there because I can go to my phone. I mean, it's it's a great pacifier, right? It's a great distraction. It's a pacifier. That's exactly what it is, it's a pacifier. Yep. It's a pacifier. So it's a it's a good way. I mean, really, I think, yeah, it's a great pacifier. It soothes us. It distracts us. Which I wonder if the sales of, of trashy tabloids have gone down because nobody in the grocery store looks at those anymore in the line. They look at their phones. I still read the headlines. <laughs> I think they're so but, fun. But have you noticed when at least when I've opened an Us Weekly or a People lately, I don't know who anybody in it is because it's it's like people from TV shows that I don't watch or reality shows that I don't watch. I'm like, who is that? Stars are just like, who is that? That is interesting because that is where you are. That's your industry, Hollywood. I know. I don't know who anybody is. I know who the comedians are. Mm -hmm. I know who like the movie actors are. I just don't know who the reality people are unless they're housewives. Let's face it. I know who all the housewives are. (laughs) I'm not an idiot. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting with the, the cutting people out. Like, I mean, yeah, you can. And the other side is you can also think about, well, with this person, what do I want? How do I want to engage with them? So again, if it's like a colleague at work and they're really toxic, maybe you don't want to go out to lunch with them you know, right. during, during your day. And so you can just say no and that's simple. And that's really good because you think I, maybe I have to go out to lunch with them because I have to network or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, actually, you'll get further in your career by feeling better about the actions that you take. Well, think about it. What's the energy when you're like, I have to do this? It's what, not good. What's the energy behind it's it? It's the whole obligation thing. Uh-huh. So then how are you showing up in your life? Obligated. Yeah. And so Put is, upon. Your, is your best self showing up? I think not. And, and if you're like putting on that facade, how draining is that? 
Yeah. Right. So we might put on this facade of like, oh, let me just be happy and chipper. But then that's when we become so emotionally spent. So if we only have 20 Mm -hmm. minutes of energy every day, Mm -hmm. right, and we're putting on all these fronts, that's why you come home and you're like stressed out and don't talk to me and let me just sit here and eat food and just fill up with TV because I just want to numb. Right. Versus if you just say, you know, I, yeah, you can, we can say, we can be authentically. I mean, this is the struggle that my clients will have is that, well, I don't want to be rude or I don't want to be mean or I don't want to be that B word. Right. But I always say compassionate people have boundaries. And so you're not going to like be like, oh, I can't stand that person. They're toxic. You may say, hi, how are you? Right. And have a conversation and have a boundary of, okay, I'm going to give this person two minutes. Right. It's, yeah. And, and and so again, it's not cutting them out, but it's about checking in. Do I have those two minutes? Again, giving what you don't have. Right. So making, do I have the two minutes? And then giving the two minutes and then being, you know, uh, courageous enough to say, okay, well, you know, nice to talk with you. I need to get back to my office. Mm-hmm. That's good. And I think too, also on a personal level, because we all have friends and acquaintances that we, love and adore, but we really don't want to spend more than 10 or 15 minutes with them because then they start to drive us crazy Uh (laughs) or family members too. And, uh, I try to think of creative ways to see people and connect with them that don't, you know what I mean? I do. I will say I have this girlfriend of mine. Uh Oh, she's a good, she's a good teacher in the respect that she she wants to spend a a, re, a lot of time together, but I notice after like an hour, I'm like, I gotta go. The calls are coming in. I gotta do. You know what I mean? I gotta go. I gotta deal. But I also notice when I leave, I don't think that she's asked me what's going on with me at all. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And. And it's not like she's entirely unpleasant or selfish or it's it's weird. It's like a weird kind of. She's like a fun narcissist. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's not till after I've had the the interaction that I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Why am I spending all this time with this person? You know what I'm saying? You know, she may, here's another side perspective because this has happened with some of my clients. She may not believe that she's worthy. And I don't know if this is true or not, but she may not believe she's worthy to ask you how you're doing. Like that That's would be interesting. Intrusive. That would be intrusive. Yeah. That's interesting. So, you know, you can take that hypothesis and the next time you interact with her, just you can sit there and be like, okay, if this is the case, she doesn't know. Maybe she doesn't know how. Right. She doesn't believe she's worthy to ask. Like that would be intrusive. Right. And just Mm -hmm. see how that fits. And then again, what's the cost to you to choose to believe that? It doesn't still mean, doesn't mean that you're going to spend three hours with her. Right. 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 No, it's all, it's, it's all good. It's one of those things, one of those friendships Sometimes you learn a lot from like those kind of peripheral friendships, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the people who you don't really let in all the way, Mm -hmm. but you can still have a good time with them on a limited Mm -hmm. basis. Well, one of the things that I learned from Brene Brown was um, when she told me that you become vulnerable with the people who've earned the right to hear your story. And I was like, well, what? Ooh, gotta love her. Gosh, she just, it's just wisdom. Yes. It's a constant font of wisdom. Yes. So, and that becomes so important. Like, and I really had to think about it because I would become, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I just love you. And let me just be totally vulnerable and be authentic and open. Right. Right. Well, that was like way too much information. 
but <laughs> but being vulnerable with the people who've earned the right to hear it. And the other thing that really helped me with was that I hated all that mean girl stuff, like, you know, in fifth grade and on, mm-hmm. and where there was exclusion. So one of yeah. my really important values is inclusiveness. Yes. Right. Because I don't want people to feel exclusive. And then I also know that it's some arenas of my life. I sit in the seats of privilege, right? Like I'm the leader of this massive swim team in town. And so I don't want to create that mean girl energy so I right. can be really inclusive. But that doesn't mean that just because I allow you in that you get to know all the parts of me. That's interesting. Right. That, that's interesting about in- inclusivity and having boundaries. Because mm-hmm. it seems like on the surface, they would be like oil and water. Mm-hmm. But knowing that, you know, some people are going to earn the right to hear my story or this story but some people that's not appropriate. Right. Right. And, and so that's where I have to use my own. I call it the Corinne filters or right. Or the Anna filters. Like what are my filters? What, where do I feel comfortable? And has this person earned the right to hear my story? And will they protect my story or are they going to broadcast it? And I think in a long time ago, I didn't know the difference. I didn't discern that. And so I just was like, Oh, I'm authentic. Let me just stand on a rooftop. That's so interesting. So now it's not, you know, I have circles. I have my inner circle of people that do know a lot. And then I have different circles, but not everybody's earned the right to hear the story. And it doesn't mean they're not worthy or they're a bad person. We just haven't developed that level of connection. Right. And you may not ever. And we may not ever. And again, it doesn't mean this person's a bad person or I am better than, right? It's, we just haven't developed that level of connection. I mean, think about it. You're not going to go and I don't want to be crude, but like, you know, you're not going to go. I, well, I'm not going to go and just hug. be crude. No, I can't do it. <laughs> I Fine, I'll be the crude one. <laughs> I know you have Vinny, so you're used to this, but, uh, um, <laughs> you know, like I'm not going to go hug and kiss everybody that I know. Right. There's going to be some people that I will hug. Oh my God. That's a thing that I have. There are a couple of men in my life over the years who go in for a mouth to mouth kiss. Mm-hmm. And it drives me crazy because I've number one, number, and this is not even me being married or attached or anything. I don't have that kind of chemistry where I want to mwah, on the lips mm-hmm. with these men. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like doing that thing where you kind of head bob, like and you try to like give them, <laughs> give them the cheek. And then sometimes it lands like to the side of because they're forceful. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are they thinking? Plus, then we add to the layer of it. There's just common social decency where you don't try to kiss a married woman on the lips. Like, let's just not do that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a rule we've all agreed on. Most of us, at least. <laughs> but but I'm like personally like, I don't want what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Boundaries. Why do they do that? Why do they do that? And it's really only been two or three over the years, but and and it, now I'm like, I'll tell everybody. Talk about talk about like, diluting stuff. I will tell people like, this guy is a great guy. He always tries to kiss me on the mouth, and it drives me crazy. So just know that if he tries to do that to you, tell him not to. <laughs> so have you ever asked him why? <laughs> not, not like publicly, but like no. have a conversation. Like, oh, no. I'm so fascinating. Oh, no, God, no, no. Why not? No. I don't know. Ew. Because <laughs> I just want to get out of there. I don't even really want this one guy in particular. I just know him on a on a work basis. He's a voiceover guy, and uh-huh. I just I just want to get out of there. I don't want to talk to him anyway. He's annoying. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
I wonder if there'll be an opportunity with somebody, right, who you could be vulnerable like that and say, I'm just so fascinated. You know, what, why do you, why do you kiss lips to lips? Like what's behind that? Like, is it a cultural thing that they grew up with? Is it a dominating thing? Like I'm going to, she's a, is it an attraction thing? Like, what is it? I'm just, cause I, do you know of what I, I speak? Yeah. I don't know what this, I don't know the reason for it, but I do know these lips are reserved for my husband, period. Right. So like, so and there's somebody that I do know and I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask that question to them. And it's not somebody I see that often that does do the lips and very nice guy, but I don't, that's these, again, these lips are reserved for my husband. So, but I would be fascinated. And if I would, you know, now that we're having this conversation, who knows, <laughs> so weird. We'll but I may be, you know, prone because I, I just did that. I asked somebody a question the other day because I was just fascinated. I was like, well, you don't have to answer this, but I have this question because, you know, I am known for asking great questions. Yes, you are. And I just, I'm fascinated. I'm just curious. And it was interesting because the person was like, well, you, you're judging. And I'm like, no, I just want to know because uh, she had a Louis Vuitton bag. And I was just fascinated, like, what would bring you, maybe you have Louis Vuitton bags, what would I don't. bring you to want to spend that kind of money on a bag? Canada. Oh. <laughs> Canada. Did you hear that? Inuvik, Canada. Um, ha- wait, why is it making the sounds? That would be on your end, Inuvik. my dear. <laughs> That's funny. But that would be another show topic because we are running out of time. Oh, God. I... Well, maybe I only see this guy every couple of years. So maybe I'll, I'll, uh, my thing is I'll call people out on something socially awkward in a funny way. So maybe I'll do that. My, my tactic is to do it in a funny way. Cause I have gotten better about that, about, especially when, when stuff gets weird socially, I'll just say it out loud. Like, well, that's weird. Mm -hmm. That's awkward. Um, just because I'm like, I can't, not and I also feel like the universe delivers me so many hilarious scenarios all the time because my angels are my best comedy writers. Mm-hmm. They rendezvous me with some pretty funny stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm like now I just I just call it out. <laughs> well, maybe it'll just be a piece, and then maybe somebody in the audience will explain to you why they do that. Yeah. There you go. See, you'll have your way of doing it. I have mine. Stop kissing women on the mouth. <laughs> All right, my dear. Well, thank you so much. That's for being the takeaway, here people. <laughs> Stop kissing women on the mouth. <laughs> if you're not married to them or they're not your partner. Exactly. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Giving what you don't have. A number of years ago, when I first interviewed Brene Brown, one of the research pieces that really pissed her off and really baffled me because, again, it goes against all the rules of what we're told. And what she found was your ability to love other people is directly correlated to your ability to love yourself. So I will have that show in the show notes if you want to link to it and go take a listen. It's phenomenal. It gets tons of downloads every month still. But we were supposed to talk about letting go of perfection. And that's one of the things that we wound up spending a huge chunk of time on was this idea of your ability to love somebody else is directly correlated to your ability to love yourself. You cannot give what you don't have. So if your self-love buckets are empty, how are you going to be able to love another person? If your compassion buckets are empty, how are you going to be able to give compassion to others? 
Now, back when I was a martyr, I could do it, right? Because I would put on this front and I would approve a whore and I would, you know, be a certain way. And then I would go home and fall apart. And, you know, it was, it's like going without sleep. You can go through and you can struggle through the day and maybe use things to keep you going. So for me, it was using food. Uh, If I didn't sleep, it was drinking lots of sodas because back then I didn't drink coffee. But then there would be a crash and burn. Well, the same thing that happens if you give what you don't have, you can do it for a bit. It's not sustainable and you crash and burn or you blow up and it's only a matter of time. And to really to be sustainable, it's about giving what you do already have. And one, it's about filling yourself up so that you have to give. People ask me often, you know, how do you do so much? You've got, you know, full coaching practice. You have this radio show that you've been doing for nine and a half years. You lead this huge organization for the swim team. My days are really long, really long. I mean, today I was up by 520, out the door by 550, and my day will not end until... I'll probably get home about 8.15 tonight. It's a long day. I choose this. And sometimes I wonder why I choose this, but I choose this. And you know, for now, I'm not ready to give any of it up, but it's a very full life. I'm not saying you have to do it that way. The other thing that I do is that I really work at taking care of myself and I'm working on taking exceptional care of myself. So what does that look like? Well, one, I make sure I sleep. Two, I nourish myself with foods. Three, I surround myself with people who are on my team, who support me, right? And it doesn't mean that I have a bunch of ass kissers because that's not the way it works, right? It means that people who I know who are on my team, who will tell me it's straight, but also love me, who love all of me, even the not so great parts of me because they're there, right? So that is what I do. And and that's one aspect. I make sure I do, well... (laughs) This week's not a good example of it because I have a full weekend, but I make sure that I have some downtime. And like, so example, this weekend, I have a swim meet that I'm going to be at. It's going to be in the afternoon. So in the mornings, I'm going to be taking care of myself. I'll make sure I take care of some stuff around the house and I'll give myself permission to do stuff that's not necessary, not have to get done, but just have some downtime to putz around or because I look at that as how can I refuel? So those are all the things that I do. And then here is how I live. I really try to be nice to myself. I really practice being compassionate with myself. I am very deliberate with what I choose to believe. It doesn't mean that my shame gremlins don't go crazy or want to tell me how I'm such a mess up. But the voice has gotten softer through the years as I practice this. Yes, I can absolutely have pity party days just like you. The thing is, is that I can move through them quicker than I used to. Those things used to take me down for months at a time. Now I may rumble with them in the evening. And then I look at it, okay, how can I learn? And this actually just happened to me recently. I was in a situation. I did something in a certain manner, nothing rude or disrespectful. But then later I thought about it and I didn't even ask this person how they were doing. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was all about you know, catching them up with the stuff I was doing because it was a short period of time. I was excited to see them. And that night I thought, I was like, oh my gosh, never even asked, never asked about their kids. And I could have beat myself up and trust me, my brain really wanted to go there. My shame gremlins were all over it. Then I said, okay, well, the next time this happens, I'm going to be really deliberate about this. And it was so funny because two days later, I got the opportunity to practice with somebody else. But because I'd given myself that permission to practice, whether it's with that person again or somebody else, 
somebody else came into my life and I was able to practice. And because of that lesson that I learned, I was able to be more aligned with who it is I want to be. That is an example of how compassion can be a big motivator for change instead of beating the crap out of ourselves. So I really work on eliminating that mean voice in my head, not by telling it to go take a hike, but really like, wait a second, I know that's not effective for me. And when I when the mean voice comes, I want to puff up and fight back, which isn't my best self. And it's very exhausting. So I really practice being compassionate with myself. I really try to practice empathy and compassion because I know that they're the antidotes of shame. So I work on that and it's a practice. And sometimes I mess it all up, but then I give myself permission to circle back and practice again. And that is my commitment. So there's a couple things. One is how do I take care of myself? And then how do I take care of my mind? You know, how do I talk to myself? And that is very, very deliberate. The more compassion I can have inside of me, the more I have the ability to give it to others. And I let you know that because I was recently on a plane trip and I met a woman and, and she was, we had a great conversation to Houston and she wanted to know like, how can I work with people at such deep intensive levels and not just be spent? Well, here's how. I really spend time taking care of myself and I really spend time holding space for my clients versus taking on their pain. It took a lot of practice. It took years of practice to do that. But that's how I'm able to be able to do all that I do. So I give you that because so often we want to give what we don't have. But first you have to give it to yourself. Then you can give it away. I invite you to practice. All right, you guys, thanks so much for listening. It's fun to have Anne Vocina back. I really thank her. A big shout out to her for coming and squeezing us in in between all her voiceovers. And sign up for my newsletter. What's holding you back? This is your opportunity. We have a conversation going. If you're interested in coaching, sign up for my wait list. When spots open up, that's the first place that I go to let you know when I do have an opening in my, in my coaching roster. And until next time, I'm smiling big for you. Never been so wild.